Hey everybody, welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name is Basil. And this is Gans. We've made it to 125. Yep, 125. I think actually we mentioned that in the episode, so you'll, you'll get to hear it twice. Yes. Uh, but we're just going to do a little pre-intro here. Uh, thanks for everybody who's been leaving ratings and reviews on the iTunes and the Stitcher and all your podcast players that's really helping out. Uh, it's, uh, and if you haven't left a rating and a review, which I know you're out there, why don't you just pause this real quick, just real quick. You don't have to stop it. Just pause and leave a rating and review. It really helps uh, spread the word and get the show out there. Uh, also, Gons, have you been over to the Facebook uh, Canary Crag community group yet? I have, yeah. And I actually, it has caused me to use Facebook again a right? little bit more. It's really fun. It's a really fun group of people over there. I, uh, you know, we, we just started it about a week or two ago. And, you know, it's just a wonderful group of some diehard Canary Cry radio fans. And they're over there having wonderful conversations about episodes and music and different conspiracies and things like that so if you guys are looking for for a real oh yeah we got competitions contests going on so if you guys are looking for you know a real good wholesome uh canary cry community uh go to facebook.com slash canary cry community or search canary cry community and uh you guys are going to want to go get hooked up with that it is popping out so shout out to the canary cry community group what's up y'all and uh, before we get into the episode, uh, we just want to remind everybody, we've got our Redbubble store. You can get some uh, t-shirts and some duvet covers and some mugs with your Canary Cry designs on them. And if you haven't done it yet, head over to Canary Cry News Talk. I know you're resisting. Some, I mean, there's a lot of you out there who are Canary Cry News Talk fans. But if you're just sitting there during the week and you need a little bit more Basil and Gons talking about current events, what's going on, that's kind of the place to do it. You can just search Canary Cry News Talk on your iTunes or your podcast catcher. Yeah, and if you're a, if you're a Canary Cry radio listener and you're not a Canary Cry News Talk listener, you're missing I'll out. I'll keep you warm and safe in my people zoo. <laughs> yeah, Gons has a soundboard that he uses... To just some maximum efficiency on that show, so it's it's a fun feel. Go go check it out, and uh, you'll keep up to date with a lot of news stories that you probably haven't heard. Anyways, Gons, I think we're going for too long here. Are you ready to get into it? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, just a quick thing before we get into this conversation, we had a conversation here with Leonard Ulrich, which was long overdue, and we discuss a lot of different things from you know a little bit of PizzaGate. Uh, the, the manipulation of the markets, gold, silver, we get into all that stuff. Bitcoin, uh, baby. Bitcoin, the cryptocurrencies and the blockchain. Uh, but one thing Just we talk money about... money in general. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but yeah, one thing we discuss is school shootings. And uh, we happened to record this conversation before the events in Florida. About and a week so, before. Yeah. And so listen to the conversation. Uh, it's really interesting how the things we talk about are, are so extremely relevant to this event as uh, we you know, keep learning about some of the things that happened there, the tragedies. And um, so yeah, and, I just wanted uh, to throw that would, out there. Would have been more relevant if we had put it out before uh, the the tragedies over there in Florida. But sure. um, just so you know, Welcome we Welcome to the world it. of podcasting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, anyways, keep keep all that in mind, guys. And uh, here we go. Leonard Oliver. Let's do it. 
like our dollar. It's lost 96% of its value since 1913. The Australian dollar, it's fallen 99% over that same period. The Canadian dollar, down 95%. The British pound, off 99%. Warren Buffett recently stated the obvious about all of this. He publicly said people are right to fear paper money, that it's only going to be worth less and less over time. These currencies are dying right in front of us. Bitcoin is is better than currency. It's a big industry around Bitcoin. And, um, you know, people have made fortunes out of Bitcoin. The technical answer on Bitcoins is that Bitcoins is a remarkable cryptographic achievement. It is a huge deal. It's a huge, huge, huge deal. A new world is emerging. It is a new world order. We had rumors going around the school that the police would do a fake code red with fake armed guns, uh, fake guns, not actual, but sounding real. And I thought at the beginning that this was just, it was all a drill, it was just a drill, until I saw my teacher dead on the floor. I heard a couple shots fired, everyone was freaking out, saying that it was a gun. As we were walking the whole class together, I actually was speaking to the suspect, Nicholas Cruz. Weren't you scared? Um, in the moment I wasn't because there was obviously definitely another shooter involved. This is Canary Cry Radio. Hey everybody, welcome to Can Never Cry Radio. My name's Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 125. 125 just keeps getting higher. Yeah, weeks off. (laughs) That's my default. Yeah. Well, have you ever asked yourself where money comes from and where it's going and how it's been manipulated in the past and potentially how it would be manipulated into the future? And most importantly, how does this all connect to the gospel message and biblical prophecy? Well, our guest today is here to talk about some of these issues and more. He's the director of NWO Secret Societies and Biblical Prophecy Volume 1, and he's getting ready to release Volume 2, The Illusion of Money. It's long overdue. Leonard Ulrich, welcome to Canary Cry Radio. Basil, guns, my life is now complete. It's been a three-year waiting process. (laughs) We finally made it. We're on the air together as we should have been. I know, absolutely. It's so funny because we've had uh, listeners request you so many times. And for some reason, even up until right before we got you on the line, I I asked Gons, I'm like, okay, so when was the last time he was on? I totally thought we had had you on before just because we had talked about it so much and we never actually got to it. Uh, so yes, this is a dream come true. Yeah, and then I noticed that uh, you were on episode 100 as a cameo and, and promoting the fact or the, this idea that you're going to be on the episode in the future. And so here you are. Well, you know, 25 episodes later, <laughs> we're on. <laughs> <laughs> well, buddy, you know, you are the creator of uh, a very popular uh, YouTube film, and I'm sure that film is all over the place, uh, as well as a, a, a website, nwotruth.org. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit? We'll start with that film because I'm sure our listeners are very familiar with it. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Uh, just in a nutshell, uh, I created the first film on the New World Order concept called New World Order Secret Societies and Bible Prophecy. 
And really what it is, is just um, New World Order Bible Prophecy 101 kind of film. It has over 40 chapters in it. And it just, from the first opening minute to the last minute, about two hours and 26 minutes later, it's just non-stop. I rewrote the narrative script uh, eight times, cutting every single unnecessary word. So if you really wanted to understand the whole New World Order uh, concept and how it relates to Bible prophecy in just one evening, just watch that film and then you're up to speed. And I can say it's um, it's been critically well received. I can also say that God has led me down this particular path for about 20 to 25 years without me knowing it so don't, I don't get a big head. Um, because I've been a double major in history during my college years, and I've also been a history teacher in uh, public and private schools. I uh, graduated from a high school with honors and had the highest mark in history award at 92%, and graduated with a 3.8 GPA in my final year of education. I also have seven years teaching experience, and for some reason, um, teaching wasn't for me I just made a lateral move into woodworking of all things because I originally got into woodworking to relieve the stress of teaching. Gotta work and with your hands, man. Work with my hands. Actually, now I work with keyboards uh, and uh, <laughs> half a million dollar to million dollar machines, and it does literal artificial intelligence woodworking. And um, so I'm, I've said all that to say this. God has allowed me to be able to speak to groups on a historical and technical level and really take a whole bunch of seemingly contradictory ideas, iron it all out, and explain it simply to people so that they get it. And people appreciate that. That's awesome, man. And yes, the I mean, the film is uh, just so popular, been around for a while. People are constantly uh, referencing it. And I mean, it's it's so pop. I mean, it's so part of the kind of fringy culture now that even the name is quite, has almost become kind of a, a genre in its own. It's almost like its own category. Um, kind of defines a category. So that's good. Uh, NWO 101 type class. I mean, that's something that uh, is highly needed and has been very valuable in the community, I think. And then you have a website, nwotruth.org, which uh, doesn't surprise me, does not want to open on my browser. Oh, that shouldn't be. <laughs> well, you know, they're always messing with my access to different parts of the web. Oh, yeah. You know, that is a sore point with me. Um when my first film uh, hit the web in March 2011, I had the opportunity to seed the film across all kinds of different um, individuals' channels. And for some reason, I mean, God has led me down paths against my better judgment, and it's always, always been for the better. Um, back in March 2011, I mean, who would have known? the massive demonetization campaign and the censorship that uh, was to appear on YouTube the way it has been over the past two years or so. Um, so this is important. Even though the film only has 400 plus thousand views on my own channel, it's got, like I said, a total of 7 million views all over the place. 
And that is, uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, the best strategy for keeping your video up on YouTube to make sure that it's seated all over the place at the expense of popularity. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a noble gesture, allowing uh, others to post up your videos because Lord knows that many YouTube creators are are not so kind when it comes to people mirroring their stuff. But you got the message out there and, uh, you know, there you go. That's the most important thing. Yeah, we have to counter the 10,000 social justice warriors that YouTube is now unleashing, looking for, quote unquote, offensive content. It's just, you know, Two years ago, if I would have described what we are going through now on YouTube, you would have said it's crazy. How that's how's that possibly going to happen? But it's happening. It's it's here. Yep, yep. I hear you, man. Things are just getting crazier and crazy all around us. Everything's getting crazier and crazier. And uh, you know, I hate to say it, but we've said it before. Uh, called it. I think all of us are part of the community uh, that get to say that you know we called it sort of before it all came out and this last year has been pretty much uh you know validation after validation which i don't know it's it's good and bad it's like it's like i told you uh yes we have this problem of satanic pedophiles but i told you that we have this problem you know <laughs> so you know on, on that topic um i'm seeing an in I, and i would like to know what you guys think about this i'm seeing an increased polarization even within the general Western Christian community, there's a group that wants to know more about this. And then there's, dare I say, a majority who doesn't want to know anything about this. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, it, just like with the polarization that's going on between, you know, the left or the right or the conservative or the liberals, even within uh, you know, even within groups, and I think this is happening on both the left and the right, but it certainly is happening within the, you know, conserv conservative Christian cultures. It, it's just getting torn apart and more categorized than ever. And uh, yeah, there's certainly groups out there who uh, <laughs> this this kind of stuff is the last thing they want to take time thinking about. Well, I'm glad you guys see it the same way I do. Um, and the good news is that I've had to endure a lot of uh, personal, I don't know, self-pity temptations because my film wasn't even allowed to show in my own church. Oh. <laughs> even though about a mile away in a much bigger church, I won uh, first place against uh, 10 other films in the documentary category in the Winnipeg Real to Real Film Festival. Wow. So that was kind of a sore point. Um, <laughs> why is it that my film wins a critical award in another church, but I can't show the film to my church, which I've been attending for actually since before I was born? So <laughs> that that speaks a lot to the polarization. Wow. Yeah, that certainly is the way things are nowadays. But don't worry, buddy. We we won't censor you here. You can go. You can just go hog wild with all the info here. I mean, especially <laughs> in the way that things have been uh, in 2018 alone. I mean, things have. You, you think about how tumultuous 2016 was, and 2017 we thought maybe would have calmed down a little bit. Nope, doubled down 2017 and simply January itself. Uh, you know, is, is amped it up another notch for 2018. 
What sort of things are you seeing going on right now that are super concerning to you? Oh my word. I mean, uh, how much time do we have here? I mean, I could go five <laughs> hours. I could go two hours. Just um, rally. Yeah, no kidding. Um, we are at a pivot point in so many ways. We are at a pivot point geopolitically. We are at a pivot point politically within America. We are at a pivot point financially. We're at a pivot point socially. Now, what do I mean by pivot points? Well, just this past week in the financial world, and I'd like to concentrate on that because my second film was called The Illusion of Money, because that's what money has become. Uh, you've had two crashes on the VIX. Now, what does this mean and why should you care? The VIX stands for the Volatility Index. And just this past week, it has spiked up to unbelievable levels, uh, no less higher than the crash of Lehman Brothers in the spring of 2008, which got the whole uh, economic crash ball rolling. Now, the volatility index, <laughs> gentlemen, this is where derivatives come in. It, it gets really complicated, but I'm going to make it simple, okay? So if you're an economist out there and you're watching this, you're going to cringe a little bit, but keep in mind, I'm making it simple. The volatility index isn't a stock. It isn't a group of stocks. All it is is a gauge of fear, as in what the financial world thinks the market is going to do. When the volatility index goes up, that is a internal financial world signal that says, hey, we think the stock market is going to go down in the immediate future. And that's exactly what happened twice this week. Now, why is this happening? This is happening now because ever since 2008, the entire economic performance of the Western world, and by extension, the entire world, has been based on nothing but air. And that air is has come into the stock markets of the world in the form of uh, central bank bailouts. Now, I said this on uh, my interview with Gons on Age of Deceit. Um, ever since 2008, about $40 trillion has been pumped into the American and global markets. Um, 29 trillion into Wall Street specifically, 8.5 trillion has gone quote unquote missing from the Pentagon. I, I don't understand how 8.5 trillion can go quote unquote missing. I mean, like, where did it go? Did it sprout legs? <laughs> okay. But why is it why is that important? It's important because the Pentagon, in many ways, is the enforcement arm of the US dollar. I mean, the United States dollar is backed by nothing but armies. So if somebody like Saddam Hussein comes along and says, hey, I want to sell my oil for euros, bad idea. Okay, the United States will then come in and label Saddam Hussein a terrorist, even though the United States army propped up Saddam Hussein against the Iranians back in the day, just conveniently brought that out of your memory. It never happened. It's a conspiracy theory. Okay, so... 8.5 trillion plus 29 trillion plus about 6.5 trillion has been spent on this quote unquote war on terror. That's about 40 trillion dollars. And that, ladies and gentlemen, works out to about 315,000 US dollars per US household. And that, ladies and gentlemen, 
is more than enough to forgive all residential mortgages in America. Now, that's the kind of money I'm talking about. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. You know, I got to say, as somebody who technically uh, counts as a millennial here, I got to say, growing up with the 2008 crash and uh, hearing what you're hearing and uh, or hearing what you're saying and seeing the same things you're seeing, you know, this seems like we're preparing for another sort of, uh, I don't know, some, some sort of disaster scenario. Is that is that too strong to say? No, in fact, it's almost impossible to overplay this. Now, if you're an analyst like I am, if you have eight years post-secondary education, all kinds of academic awards, you're used to sifting through all kinds of contradictory information. I'm so sick of hearing one gold and silver analyst after another saying, oh, you know, this is gold and silver silver's year to shine. And then they're constantly wrong. And then I'm, I'm, I get perspectives from perma bulls and perma bears. And you know what? Most of them are wrong most of the time. But apparently the television and the internet need somebody to talk. So they just keep having the same people on the screen again and again and again. And that is because, in my view, they're not looking at the entire big picture. And the really big picture is only seen through the lens of Bible prophecy. I mean, thousands of years of history and Bible prophecy. So we've never, gentlemen, we've never been in a world that we are in right now. And what do I mean by that? Well, thousands of years ago, you couldn't press a button and fire an intercontinental ballistic missile and vaporize a large city. You can now. And there are people out there who are megalomaniacs. And because there's always been people that have worked that way. I mean, I could go through a list of Roman emperors and say, yeah, that guy was psychotic. That guy was psychotic. Oh, yeah, this 14-year-old killed his father so he could be emperor. I mean, so the point is, Humanity has always been sick and twisted in the head because it always likes power. Right. And and in the end, the whole financial system is not about the money. It's actually about power. What do you do for kicks when you can literally steer trillions of dollars around the world? It's not about the money anymore. It's about power. So, Back about two weeks ago now, when we had this um, false alarm about an incoming missile from uh, Korea, allegedly, uh, on its way to Hawaii. Gentlemen, I'm going to stick my neck out. I've been watching the person's reaction who issued that false alarm, who was conveniently fired. Of course, you need to do that to instill confidence in the system. He insists that it wasn't a false alarm. And guess what? I believe him. Yeah, you know, I heard reports even about uh, people possibly seeing something uh, happening off the coast. And, you know, with systems as important as missile, you know, missile alert systems, 
you would think that uh, they would have things pretty dialed and you couldn't just accidentally send out an alert. I mean, that's that's just that that can't be how it is. Right. Okay. We know. And again, when I make a political comment, it's not because I favor one party over the other. I don't pay attention to politics at all. I pay attention to the flow of power. Okay. So I'm not a Donald Trump apologist or a Donald Trump vilifier or Hillary Clinton for that matter. These are all failed, fallen people. They all have their strengths. They all have their weaknesses. Having said that, if I had to choose between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, I would choose Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton 10 to 1. Not because of political affiliations, but because, I mean, ask yourself, why is Hillary Clinton still married to Bill after he's he's been a, a legend as far as uh, you know, infidelity is concerned, he he has found himself on Little St. James Island 26 times right. at the home of a convicted pedophile. Right. I mean, this is not conspiracy theory. This is cons- conspiracy fact. So right. let's just add some facts after facts after facts to paint a picture. Again, not conspiracy theory, not conjecture, because... My university training is always in the back of my mind. Gentlemen, you ha- you <laughs> you should have been in my shoes during um, my years in Donald Young's history class, Professor Young. Um, he would give out marks to my fellow students uh, who were constantly cross-examining um, each other's papers, and he would give marks out to fellow students as you presented your paper in order to uh, fact check or or cross-examine your presentation. So in other words, you had to be on your best game and every statement had to be qualified. So with that um, uh, uh, (laughs) post-stress in my mind. (laughs) PTSD from from class experience. Yeah, I've had literal PTSD from uh, history classes back in the day. So... Bill Clinton is a sexual predator. That is a qualified statement. Um, Hillary Clinton also found herself on Little St. James Island six times. Given the tragedy in Haiti after the earthquake, it is a fact that the Clintons uh, sent a lawyer down to bail out Laura Silsby, who has been repeatedly convicted of trafficking children out of Haiti into the Dominican Republic. Okay, so there's a connection between the pedophilia of associated with Washington, D.C. and the Clintons and Haiti. And where did the billions of dollars go that uh, people gave around the world to the Haiti Relief Fund? It went exclusively to the Clinton Global Initiative. I mean, so just, just pause right there And think about the gravity of what I just said. The Clintons took billions of dollars that were designed to go to the people of Haiti in the wake of the earthquake. And instead, the Clintons are associated with the human trafficking following that tragedy. Do I need to say anything more? 
No, certainly not. And the you know the that uh, connection and that trail of money and power, you know, that's been uh, a haunting uh, trail to follow, especially in the wake of all the the PizzaGate nonsense that happened. Uh, you know, that came out mainly into the mainstream late last year. Um, it, just to take a couple steps back, because we might we may have uh, gotten. Well, I won't even say off track. We just were on another track because all these yes. tracks are good tracks. Um, but you were saying something about the uh, the Hawaiian missile alert. That's right. I'm glad you caught me on that because I was going to wind back to this point. Oh. All right. So again, this is a multifaceted analysis and there are hundreds of factors involved here in what is happening to America right now. So the Clintons, shady, period. That when the Clintons left office, they actually took some of the furniture from the White House with them. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a fact, by the way. This is fact. Anybody listening, it's fact. Okay. They also charged exorbitant rents for their business partners and buddies to stay in the Lincoln bedroom while they were in the White House. This is also fact. Okay. I'm just giving you fact after fact, not opinion, not conjecture. Okay, it is also a fact that the Clintons um, sold, I repeat, sold missile technology secrets to the Chinese back in the day. Yeah. So what does this have to do with the alert in Hawaii? Well, gentlemen, given all the facts that I just told you, and I had to go down that long trail because what I'm about to say would have sounded absolutely crazy had I not gone, gone down that trail, I have every reason to believe that Democrats and Republicans, like Senator John McCain, who on his own Twitter feed took pictures of himself with ISIS terrorists in Syria, okay, in order to secure Western Syria for the massive pipeline to feed natural gas and petroleum-related products to Western Europe, and in so doing, secure the value of the U.S. dollar, as opposed to a Russia-Chinese pipeline coalition. Okay, so again, we're creating a big picture here, and we're looking at various dots. Back to the missile. I have every reason to believe Democrats and Republicans are in cahoots to some degrees to with breakaway or rogue Chinese elements, just as there are rogue um, elements within the Democratic and Republican parties within America, and actually colluded to fire a real missile from China to Hawaii in order to drag President Trump into war. Now, that gentleman is insane. <laughs> that yeah. is pretty insane. Now, I got to say, uh, you know, I, I've heard a lot of crazy things in my life. And, you know, I feel like we might be missing a couple dots in that in, <laughs> in, in that train there. I mean, I trust that they're there. But what would uh, how does the Chinese element come into this? China needs America. There is no business, ironically, than war business, because in a condition of war, you can rack up any amount of debt and always have the excuse of national security to cover it. 
The Chinese are hurting just as bad as America is hurting. The Chinese in general don't have welfare. They're, they have workfare. After this conversation, I would encourage everyone to just go to the internet and type in Chinese ghost cities. There are dozens of huge cities built where nobody lives. I mean, like 12-lane highways, huge shopping malls, airports, and there's nobody there. And that is because, again, China doesn't... China is a unique combination of a communist glove over a capitalist hand. It is the perfect synthesis between socialism and capitalism. That's where America is going to go. So um, there are elements like I was just detailing uh, where that I believe are in cooperation with rogue elements in America, and they want to get a war going. This, this gentleman is the total hand of madness, but this is exactly what the Bible said would happen. Yeah. Interesting. And and China would benefit from a, a war between America and North Korea. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> a year ago, I was asked by about two or three different podcasters, hey, Leonard, uh, you got to come on the show and do a geopolitical financial analysis of North Korea. This thing's going to go. And I said constantly, no, it's not. It's a tempest in a teapot. It's a giant diversion. And one of the reasons why it's a giant diversion is because there's been 70 years of tension between North and South Korea. The North went communist, the South went capitalist. And now at the Olympics to see some opening um, dialogue between North and South Korea, some common participation between the two Koreas in the Olympics. I mean, that's a major geo geopolitical uh, punch in the eye in America. And uh, the two Koreas are more than willing to do that. Interesting. So the, the, you know, the progression of the relationship between South Korea and North Korea is, uh, you know, threatening to the current world powers, you're saying? Oh, absolutely. Um, it was Donald Rumsfeld who about 20 years ago, uh, courtesy of ABB, gave the North Koreans the technology and the uranium to fuel a whole bunch of nuclear power plants in North Korea. And it was well known that the design of the reactors and the grade of uranium used to power those reactors uh, could be we weaponizable. And guess what, you know? 10, 15 years later, that's what we're seeing right now. So, I mean, every time somebody says to me, oh, I don't know how North Korea got its nukes. Oh, I don't know where ISIS came from. I say, well, just look to the, mil the military industrial complex because it's been doing the same thing over and over and over for about 70 years now. Okay. So the the peace or the progression of a relationship between South Korea and North Korea uh, uh, is so, correct me if I'm wrong, I, it, what I'm gathering is without North Korea as an enemy, uh, it, it slows that military industrial complex and thus would hurt uh, Chinese-American economic relationships and... Uh, just the general 
war machine that is America without, uh, you know, a new fresh enemy to fight. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. That is 100% what I'm saying. Yeah. The war machine always needs an enemy. And North Korea has been uh, the Chinese uh, barking dog, if you will. Um, North Korea couldn't exist without China. So China is kind of like sees itself in the way that a lot of the power brokers within America do. It sees itself as a dominant superpower. It sees itself as um, the replacement for the American superpower. But there, of course, are power brokers within America who say, no, we're going to keep the party going right here in America. But So that's, hmm. that's why it had to be a, a Chinese sort of rogue agent and not part of the Chinese establishment. Exactly. That is the subtlety that we need to understand here. It's better to have an independent um, problem or a problem that looks independent uh, as a way to uh, have a dog to be to sick on your rival, if you will, than to go head to head against your rival. It's really interesting that you bring all this up because in the show, Mr. Robot, which I don't know if you've seen Leonard, but I know Basil's watched. I think it was season two, but it is this sort of rogue Chinese group that works with you know, some of these uh, other hackers to try to take down, you know, the, the, the plot line's a little different. They're trying to take down the, the system. But China's influence is, is really, you know, within the Obama administration, especially we saw, I think, just a huge infiltration right under our nose, especially out here in Southern California and Hollywood. We had that story about a year or two ago. The, I think it was China's richest man buys like six Hollywood studios or something. And I think he's quoted in a pretty major publication. I believe it was either Forbes or Rolling Stones or something. And um, there you go. I got to get my facts straight. Uh, otherwise, Leonard's not going to be my friend anymore. Um, <laughs> I will. I will source that later. But um, anyway, he he's basically quoted saying, "I you know he wants to buy media companies because he sees tremendous power. Uh, the the power to influence." Is what he liked, and it, it goes right back to that idea of power. Why do you want to buy, you know, Hollywood studios? Oh, because of the influence, the power of influence that Hollywood has on uh, a whole, the whole world, really. If you think about it, think about all the people around the world that have certain ideologies that they get from, you know, action movies or their favorite actors or whatever, and the whole culture of New World Order system is uh, pumped through the distraction of entertainment. Um, but then uh, just a couple other things to bring up to to sprinkle into the conversation of what you've been talking about, Leonard. Uh, the Laura Silsby thing that you brought up with Haiti, uh, there's the connection with uh, just, just, you know, these subtle things, these numbers that seem to reoccur. Uh, Laura Silsby was reportedly uh, the one who smuggled 33 children from Haiti, not uh, foster kids or, or, you know, these are just kids that had families and everything. These are like kidnapped kids. Uh, but 33, the number 33, very interesting that that would be the number. And then um, I believe the there was one of, uh, I don't remember the guy's name, uh, somebody who was very vocal about the corruption of the Clintons in Haiti committed suicide recently. And, you know, the, I, I think I, I tried to do a quick Google search, but all I can find are the Snopes articles saying that Allegedly it's Allegedly committed suicide. Allegedly, there you go. Yeah, all the Snopes articles trying to debunk it. But 
I mean, you know, you talk about the Clinton body count, um, but then you have, uh, you know, just recently in the news, you bring up China. We had uh, Steve Bannon, who's been, you know, kind of marginalized and stepped down out of the political spotlight or whatever. And he came out and said that he had some relationship with um, some Chinese investor, which is really weird because he, he was the one kind of saying, you know, that the Chinese are infiltrating America and all this stuff. And then as soon as he gets kicked out, he's making deals with, you know, the Chinese investor who I believe was like a criminal or something that I, I, I might be getting the story wrong, but I think there's a lot more going on than we think. Um, I know physically in my neck of the woods, especially the community my parents live in, it literally went from, um, you know, pretty diverse neighborhood to just pretty much all Chinese uh, over the span of a decade. It's it just complete takeover. It's, it's, it's really weird. And then the connection to North Korea, to, to use North Korea as a proxy, I definitely have uh, seen and heard all those sort of conspiracies. And uh, even that the CIA has sort of a, you know, some rogue, you know, individuals, maybe it's all part of the same rogue group all around the world to infiltrate all these governments to create this uh, one world system. So uh, I'm sorry, I just wanted to sprinkle in some of the stuff because I've been sitting here brewing with all those thoughts. That was um, quite a sprinkle there, guys. I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Maybe take this and uh, and just listen to the listen to everything Leonard said again. So go back to the beginning of the episode. <laughs> just mix and, and match once... your own episode here. <laughs> um <laughs> But the next sort of phase to all this, the, all the financial stuff, and you said you were, you know, change is happening in all sort of segments of society. Real I quick, real quick, yeah, before, before we go where I know you're going, yeah. I, have, I have a quick question. Okay. Um, and that is, going back to the China and North Korea thing, why would we not expect that North Korea would have just launched the missile? You know, if they are... Uh, you know, the enemy that we want, uh, why would North Korea, I mean, do, do they even have capable missiles? Is there any reason to believe that they perhaps did send the missile? Well, you and I don't know that. So, I mean, we could guess, but yeah. conjecture is rather useless in my, my opinion. The point is, the person who issued the false alert insists that it wasn't a false alert the point is, we have a history of the White House uh, being in bed, if you will, uh, literally, perhaps, though that's a thought I don't want to get into my mind, <laughs> <laughs> for about 25 years. Um, again, there's no business like war business. Why is it, gentlemen, that we can have Chinese, American, North Korean cooperation within the Olympics and within space programs and within high-tech fields, but when it comes to money and when it comes to the military, there's no business, like I keep saying, like war business. Yeah. It's almost a like good a question. It's, it's almost a, it, it, it's, it is kind of a controlled theater yeah. sort of situation. It almost uh, seems know, manufactured. Yeah. Like any sports, you know, you imagine you got the owners and you got the players and players are kind of like the soldiers and, you know, you roll them out. They're the ones sacrificing their bodies. Um, you know, there's, there's something to that for sure. I was going to say something else that another sprinkle item, but I can't oh think of it. Now. <laughs> well, I'll give you another sprinkle item. 
okay, we had this um, terrorist uh, event in uh, Las Las Vegas on right. October 1st at the Route 91 Festival. Um, what Amtrak train number, gentlemen, derailed last week? 91. 91. And who was on that train and where was that train going? Well, some very important Republican um, politicians whose names escape me at the moment were on that train. It was going down the wrong track. It was going towards a classified military bunker. And um, if you watch the video of the uh, event, of the crash site, I got a question for you, gentlemen. How is it that a truck that is longer than the span between the two crossing arms manages to find itself on the center of the track? And after the event, both crossing arms are down. Huh. I can't notice. I, I don't, I can't, I have no answer for this riddle that you've given us. That's right. I mean, there are so many different uh, anomalies that it's, it's remarkable. I mean, I got into this whole conspiracy slash Bible prophecy things because I'm very good at looking at the anomalies. Now, as a video editor, I've got twin 4K cameras. Um, I can go through a terabyte of data at the highest um, data settings on my cameras in about two hours. It's just nuts. Back about 25 years ago during the Bosnian War, I saw a video of a missile um, hitting a train over a bridge. And it was really choppy. And I, I said, there's something wrong with that video. Even back when I was much younger, back when before I was editing video. And now that I look at the video, it's so obvious that it was sped up. What's the point? The point is that was a civilian train and the video was sped up to make it appear that the missile was out of control when in fact it was aiming for the precise target that it hit. So even the video on board a missile can be manipulated in order to give people the wrong perception. Right. Yeah. And, and to another detail about that train derailment, um, from the reports I heard, all the roads had been closed and there had been police barricades days before. And I mean, this rogue, much like your rogue Chinese agent, some rogue trash truck had just found its way onto a closed road and parked perfectly on the, the train tracks for a train that wasn't even supposed to be there. It's crazy. Yeah. And like I said, how does that truck fit in between two crossing arms? And because it can't, and why were the two crossing arms down after the impact? I mean, there are certain things about this that do not add up. I can't tell you about what actually happened, but I can tell you about those two crossing arms. And that to me is a red flag. Wasn't this also the, the second or third Amtrak accident in the last like two or three months, which is highly, you know, a lot more frequent than normal? Yes, and these are fully automated uh, tracks. There's no right, human operator switching the tracks. 
Now, the question is, how easy it to, is it to hack this? And uh, the answer is obviously easy. <laughs> it seems like everything built right now is uh, easy to hack, which could lead us to our uh, next discussion here with uh, the other side of the um, where things are headed. As as I feel like the norm now is is all the stuff we're talking about, the false flags, the uh, intervention of trying to create chaos and and create confusion and events that charge people politically and and you you see the emotional manipulation taking place there there's a lot happening psychologically and uh obviously spiritually underpinning it all but um it seems like as we sort of started the discussion more people uh, people are just split so much it's so bizarre. It's such a bizarre time. Um, I think that's definitely prophetic in nature that there's going to be this. And, and, you know, I, I actually, I think it was, I think it was my first interview with Derek Gilbert. Um, I think it was like 2010 or 2011. I'd mentioned how I had this feeling, this sense of like the, the, the line being drawn in the sand a lot more clearly in the coming years. And it was kind of a gut feeling, but I kind of, st I think I look back at that comment and I'm like, yeah, you know, that I, that feeling I had, I'm kind of seeing it now, you know, it's not just like a feeling it's actually, you know, I can go on Twitter and start reading people's tweets and, and I'm like, wow, this person's in a completely different world <laughs> than what I'm looking at. And, um, but at the same time, you know, you we're supposed to sort of connect and stay, you know, a lot of those are Christians too. So it's not like we can just say, oh, you're just a heretic and toss them aside, but so moving forward here, the, the, uh, oh gosh, I'm getting pulled in two different directions because I have a thought about uh, a couple more things about the stuff we were talking about here. Here's something else that a lot of these shootings that take place in schools. And I think we just had another one, uh, over, it was either this past weekend or the weekend before I can't even keep track anymore because there's so much happening. And the, the common thread seems to be uh, drugs, like usually some kind of psychotropic or, or, you know, a controlled substance, not necessarily like a recreational drug, although that's, you know, sometimes the case as well, but most of the time it's something that psychiatrists, uh, prescribe. And then you have the common thread of alphabet soup agencies, like the FBI always having some kind of hand in the process where they're either communicating with these individuals beforehand or they're on some kind of list or it's never just some random person they never had their eye on it's always like oh yeah we've you know had their our eye on this person we've talked to this person and also the mental health part of it those three things seem to be a very common thing that pops up over and over and over again with these shooters and i think there is a concerted effort um, starting with the programs like MK Ultra and, and all that stuff, the mind control stuff that we know about now, I think there's still programs ongoing um, that really target individuals that may have certain mental issues and stuff like that to try to carry out acts of quote unquote domestic terror. And, and you know, I, I, there's, there's stuff out there that, you know, I won't share the specifics, but there's uh, somebody that is a listener to the show that shared something with uh, with us a you know a while ago over the past year that verifies that theory, which they were really close to something that uh, was out there in the last year. So I think you know that kind of stuff we have to look out for, especially if people have 
uh, kids that have, you know, certain disabilities and things like that, you know, just really watch out for it. And that's why it's really important to understand what we're doing with our TVs and, you know, all the movies we watch and it's conditioning us to sort of accept the sort of reality that's messed up, you know, and, and just make it normal. But, uh, that's a long winded way to say, uh, just get that out of the way. I needed to get off, get that off my chest, but then moving forward here, <laughs> moving forward into the future, all these problems, these hacks, these, uh, you know, these systems going down, even the government, you know, falling apart because we're doing things differently. Uh, identity theft. Um, I always forget Basil. Is it Experian or was it, uh, uh, what, what was the other one that we thought? It I was don't know. I'm not going to make wrong? a claim because we got it wrong last time. I know. We got it <laughs> the, the credit agency, the credit that, agency got that got Yeah. That got hacked. You know, then, that one. Yeah. <laughs> So, you mean Equifax? Equifax. See, see, we said experience. I, I hope you have your facts Equifax. right, because we sure didn't. We definitely don't for this episode. Um, but yeah, it seems to be that there is a revolution taking place in the technology sector, in the entrepreneurial business sector, that is going to... It's basically shaping the, the next phase of evolution in the internet, uh, which involves a economic engine that is deeply tied into this new internet. Um, and that has to do with blockchain and, and this new form of uh, network computing and um, uh, a sort of communal way to trust each other in this sort of untrust, <laughs> untrustable internet space that we all reside in. You've made videos on this topic and you've explained it very well in, in your own words. Can you tell us a little bit about what blockchain is and what you've seen in your research in that future stuff, the, all the future stuff that we're about to see? Okay. Uh, you are quite right in saying that trust is on the decline. And not even Wall Street banks trust each other, which says a lot. Um, just briefly, to go back to your point about uh, school shootings, if you want to get much greater understanding about uh, these mass shooting incidents and how they are a synthetic combination of staged events and real actors uh, independent of um, government agencies, you really need to go to lightonconspiracies.com. Now, I'm not affiliated with that any in any way, but if you want to go to uh, YouTube, and watch um, a Norwegian in, uh, investigator by the name of Oli Damagard. It's well worth your time. Um, he has a lecture called Terror? Question mark. Are you kidding me? And he breaks down event after event after event, and it shows you how there are natural actors involved who have no ties to government agencies, but they're being steered, molded, shaped indirectly, if you will, by these same government agencies. And why? Because the name of the game is control. If you can capitalize, if you will, on all these school shootings in order to get control, then if you are a megalomaniac, that's what you're going to do. Now, back to blockchain. Um, blockchain is called a distributed ledger technology. What does that mean? Well, I'll give you an analogy. In each and every cell of your body, 
there is something called DNA. DNA is a code, and it's quite remarkable. That code describes the function of each and every cell of your body and has a complete copy of the code of your entire body in each and every cell. It's amazing. That's what we call a distributed ledger technology. What's the point of that? Well, when a virus or bacteria comes along and tries to embed itself in your body, your body's DNA says, hey, you don't have the code. Get out of here. And your body starts uh, triggering defense mechanisms. Uh, for example, it triggers a fever to create white blood cells to um, get rid of a virus, for example. Now, as you know, Gons, buying and selling a house is a complicated, messy deal, right? Well, I haven't bought in a house before, but uh, I oh. would imagine that uh, once I do, uh, <laughs> Lord willing, it would be a... Uh, Messy and stressful process. Well, it is because usually buying a house and selling a house is about a one to two month process. That that's because it involves um, lawyers, um, notaries, uh, real estate agents, bankers, uh, city officials, etc. Why? Because we need to know that party A actually owns the house that is being sold, as opposed to acting as the imposter owner of a home. Well, let's say the owners are away. That's happened before. Uh, you need to know that the credit of the buyer is good. You need to know that the house uh, doesn't have any major issues like a chimney fire that has been conveniently painted over, which is the whole reason for the house being on the market to begin with, et cetera, et cetera. Now, imagine if houses were on blockchains, then we would know that the house doesn't have any liens against it. We would know that the house is structurally okay, hasn't had any fires or whatever that it, or mold or termites that um, that uh, has ever been in the, your local records, your local city records. And um, so a banker could know that the person who's selling the house actually has possession of the house. And the house is okay, and it can literally transfer the money to you on the spot if you are a buyer and uh, if you're a seller as well, you can get your money and knowing that the other person is completely trustworthy. It simplifies a lot. And in theory, a lot of lawyers will literally go out of business because they need to act as a counterparty risk taker to a transaction. In other words, a lawyer's career is on the line when he or she acts as a notary to, let's say, a real estate transaction, because what that lawyer is saying is, yeah, this person is legit. Yeah, that person is is legit. You're getting a third party involved. If you didn't have to go through that lawyer, things could be a lot faster and a lot cheaper. And this is what's happening now. So a distributed ledger technology, technology is kind of like monitored digital DNA. You can see the whole series of transactions, let's say, with a house. You can see whether or not it's ever had a fire or, or mold or whatever. And you can accept it or reject it without even having to ask a potential homeowner or a potential notary any questions about, let's say, the house you're interested in. So in theory, this is a revolutionary idea.
because this in, this avoids a lot of questions as to whether or not the party that you want to do business with is trustworthy. Right. The problem is the money problem. And right now we're going through about two or three different financial changes at once. We've gone through the social change bit. We've gone through the uh, geopolitical bit. Now let's just focus on the financial bit. Right now we got one big problem and that problem is debt. So it doesn't matter whether or not you've got blockchain technology. If everyone's broke, what do you think is going to happen to the economy? It's just not going to go anywhere. Okay. So <laughs> Wall Street has managed to do something which I never thought was possible. It has managed to put a major hurt on Bitcoin. And as soon as you say that, people who are involved in the Bitcoin space get their backs up against the wall and will say, well, you would say that because you don't understand Bitcoin. Bitcoin is totally independent, it's independent of Wall Street, independent of bankers. You don't know what you're talking about. And I say, oh, yes, I do. Because Wall Street has, in theory, in effect, managed to increase the supply of Bitcoin through Bitcoin futures. Now, right. I, need to I need to explain what futures markets are all about and why, why you should care about it. You know, we have a show called Canary Cry News Talk where I tried my best to explain futures, and I'm hoping you can do it better than I did. Okay, well, here I go. The futures market er emerged in the mid-1800s as a way for farmers and, let's say, um, food producers to hammer out prices for crops at a certain point in the future. The point is the farmer gets a predictable price in the future and the buyer gets a predictable price in the future. So if you got a couple of bushels to wheat of wheat to sell to a local flour mill, you know that you're going to get X dollars, let's say in October. And so you shake your hands, you agree on the price. And if the farmer can supply a certain grade of, let's say, wheat on that date, then the buyer is already obligated to pay you that amount of money. That's a futures contract. That concept is about 150 years old. Now, the way that most commodities prices are figured is in the futures market. When you enter the futures market, you're actually not buying or selling anything. What you're doing is saying, I will agree to buy, let's say, Bitcoin at a certain price or at a certain point in the future if the price happens to be X. Okay. Now, you can make money in the futures market going up and you can make money in the futures market going down in terms of price. You can, if you're in the futures market, agree to short the price of, let's say, Bitcoin. In other words, you're making money when the price of Bitcoin goes down because you're making payments on a position, on a financial bet. And at some point in the future, which is all written down in the contract that you happen to sign, okay, you have the option to buy Bitcoin 
at that price. Or you can say, hold on to my money. I'm still going to be in this game. I'm going to keep making my payments, maintaining my position until the price is where I want it to be at Y point in the future. So <laughs> Wall Street, like I've said, has managed to theoretically or in effect increase the amount of Bitcoin available to purchase in the future. And like anything, you can't avoid the fundamental law of supply and demand. So yes, all you Bitcoin investors out there, okay, Wall Street has managed to do something which you never thought possible. And guess what? It's doing the same thing to the gold and silver markets too, and the oil markets, and the interest markets, and the bond markets, and I could go on and on and on. There is no end to what Wall Street can do when it comes to manipulation. They own the whole show. Yeah, that's really unfortunate, especially since the whole philosophy behind cryptocurrency has been to uh, get away from that. And now, you know, thanks to easy access to a lot of the uh, cryptocurrencies, you know, we're seeing huge fluctuations across the board. Uh, Gons and I have, uh, over the past maybe year or two years, been following it and, and dabbling. And uh, yeah, if anybody out there is into cryptocurrency right now, they uh, are, are certainly feeling the effects of this. So are you saying that the moment that uh, futures became available, which, uh, you know, must have been uh, a month or two, a couple months ago, something like that, um, that that was the beginning of the end, at least for Bitcoin uh, in the near future, huh? You can pull up two chart two charts on the internet and discover that for yourself. Look at the price curve of Bitcoin, and look at when Bitcoin futures came out uh, on the market. There's a tight correlation there. Yeah, and it was when those uh, futures contracts actually came up is when the the decline started. Um, and I think that's what originally brought it down to 13,005 up from around the 16, 17, 18 marker it was at for a while. But, you know, that's uh, pretty unfortunate. Now, uh, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of speculation and a lot of theorization about uh, cryptocurrency and biblical prophecy and how that's going to play into the future, uh, as well as the current geopolitical climate. Uh, where do you see those connections taking hold? Oh, my word. Uh, again, that's another two-hour uh, kind of question. Um, well, I'm pretty impressed. We're only we're only about an hour in, so we, <laughs> we got time. Okay. In theory, distributed ledger technology is fantastic. I mean, you could use it to distribute uh, medical records to people who have authorization to view those records. Uh, you can use it to distribute, like I said, real estate records, um, you name it, okay? So, but the problem is the heart of man. I mean, nuclear technology can be good. It's kind of like the internet. The internet can be good or it can be bad. You can use the internet to distribute pornography or you can use the internet to have discussions like this which increase our understanding and deepen our faith. That's why I'm here on the internet with you guys. So the heart of man is the problem. It's not the technology. And like I said at the start of this conversation, the heart of man is sick and twisted and diseased beyond measure. I mean, 
There's a reason why my favorite passage in the Bible is Matthew 24, and that's because Jesus, out of his own mouth, talks about deceit, deceivers, and deception four times in a single section of one chapter. So everything is deception. The only two things in my mind that are 100% truthful are the Bible and Jesus. And when you think about it, it's only one thing that's truthful because Jesus, in my mind, is the living word. Whenever he spoke something, it was perfectly in line with Bible prophecy because he was the literal embodiment of the Bible. Amen, brother. You got it. So how does this figure into where we are financially? Okay. I keep referring people to the same image over and over and over again. What image is that? That is the January 1988 cover of The Economist magazine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Economist magazine is a Rothschild publication. How can I say this? Open up an an edition, open up a couple of editions over a couple decades, and you will see who's on the board, board of directors. It's Rothschild, Rothschild, Rothschild. And if it's not a Rothschild, it's somebody who has the Rothschild-type philosophy. So um, back in January 1988, 30 years ago, as a matter of fact, it's asked a question. It said, get ready for a world currency. And you saw what appeared to be an eagle rising up from a pile of burning fiat currency. Now, to anyone in the know, you would realize that's not an eagle, that's a phoenix. That's the same symbol that is back uh, on the back of the U.S. dollar bill, which was, by the way, designed by a Freemason and uh, authorized by a Freemasonic president back in the early 30s. So that should tell you a lot. So, um, boy, the best economy that I have come across in my five years of preparation for my second film was followed by the Israelites when they chose to follow it. They didn't always follow it. It is the year of Jubilee system. Every seven years, all debts will be wiped out. Now, that's critical, gentlemen, because that keeps debt at bay. Let's say I'm a wealthy guy, and Gons, you come up to me in year six of the seven-year cycle, and you say, Uncle Len, I want to buy a house. And I'll say, well, that's nice. Wait until after the, the year of debt cancellation, um, and then, then we'll talk. Okay, what that does is it puts the brakes on your spending. It puts the brakes on my obligations. And guess what, gentlemen? If you follow historical models, especially in America, there's an economic quote-unquote correction every, drumroll please, seven years. Wow. Yep. And guess what? How many years, gentlemen, has it been since 2008? You're scaring me, buddy. That's right. We're overdue. Okay? We're overdue because money has been pumped into the stock market courtesy of the Federal Reserve, which is nothing more than the money-printing frontman for the big banks, which own and control Wall Street. It's just one big incestuous relationship. But just as, and I'm not advocating this, okay, just to be clear, 
you could take all the drugs you want. No one is immune from the effects of taking all the drugs you want. Okay, it's the same thing with the Federal Reserve. They can continue manipulating interest rates down, 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 and keeping them down. They can continue pumping money to their uh, big bank Wall Street buddies, but there is a cause and effect to all of that. And the effect is this, debt. Okay, it's very simple. Very soon, in the next year or two, you're going to have typical trillion-dollar annual deficits in America. And the last time the debt ceiling was argued, um, the politicians couldn't agree on the rate of increase on the debt. Okay, we're not talking keeping the debt levels static. We're not talking about reducing them. We're talking about how much should we increase our debt. And that is because of what money has become. All money in America, since I can put an exact date on it, August 15th, 1973, is debt. I want to say that one more time. All money in America since August 15th, 1973, is debt. How can I say that? Well, the Federal Reserve issues the money to the government of America out of thin air as a bookkeeping entry. And from the day that every dollar is issued, it carries an interest charge on it. Now, you can keep the interest rates really low for a really long time, like we've seen for the past 10 years. But what do you think that does, gentlemen, to the bottom line of pension funds? Drops them lower. Exactly. Pension funds are now typically underfunded by somewhere between 40% and 60%. Yikes. That's right. Now, that's good if you're a prospective home buyer. That's really bad if you're a pensioner or even worse, a pension fund manager, and you need a minimum of 4% return per year on your investment just to stay above water. Now, interest rates can be kept low for a long time, but what do you think that does to government debt, and specifically treasuries or bonds? By the way, the governments of the world can only get money from two sources. Number one, taxes, and number two, bonds. The only difference between treasuries and bonds is the length of term that people voluntarily choose to give the government their money in exchange for a annual return on their investment. So why would I, as a potential bond buyer, give any government my money when they give me back 2% per year? Why would I do that when I know that the cost of living, known as inflation, is greater than 2%? Well, that's why bonds, gentlemen, are in a bubble. There's a direct relationship between interest rates and bonds. And when no one is willing to give the governments uh, of the world their money, what do you think the governments of the world have to do? They have to raise taxes, which is not good for business, which is what governments are resistant to do. So they just go into more and more debt, which causes a feedback loop. Now, uh, Canada, um, in my country, Uh, 15% of all the federal taxes we pay goes just to pay the interest 
on the national debt. Wow. That's insane. Okay, yeah. I don't know what it is in America, but I'm quite sure it's actually worse. Gentlemen, the problem is the very nature of money itself. It has become debt. This is like George Orwell. I mean, ignorance is freedom. Uh, war is peace and money is debt. We live in a world that's just nuts. Okay. And when you speak the truth to people, like I'm trying to speak to it right now, it really puts people back. That goes back to the polarization concept that we started this conversation in. Okay. War is peace. Ignorance is freedom and money is debt. And this is the problem the, the, the matrix that we're all trying to bust through. Yeah. You know, you said something in there where the, uh, uh, the something about the correlation of bonds and interest rates having to do with the time to buy a home. Are you saying that, uh, I mean, if you, as again, as a millennial who was coming of age during 2008, uh, are you saying it's going to be a similar to the housing bubble popping there? I mean, is it better to buy a home now or wait until things uh, self-destruct a little bit? Okay, uh, I get a request for financial advice all the time, and my answer is always no, I can't help you with that. It's kind of like a doctor diagnosing over the phone. Right. Okay, really, really foolish. Having said that, there are certain <laughs> principles that we can all pay attention to. In 2001, we had a stock market crash, that so-called uh, dot-com bubble. Okay, it was a sort of a double bubble in that it, it popped during early 2001 and then it popped again as a natural result of the effects of 9-11, even though I'm of the opinion, and I uh, can back this up, that 9-11 was an engineered event. So 2001, we had a stock market crash. 2008, we had a real estate and stock market crash. The next crash, gentlemen, we're going to see a stock market crash, a real estate crash, and a bond market crash. This that's is a lot a, of crashes. A, that's a lot of crashes. Okay? That's too many crashes. That's too many crashes. And <laughs> for the first time, the Federal, Federal Reserve won't have a printing press big enough to stop the bleeding. Hmm. Gentlemen, it's as though the Rothschilds 30 years ago on the cover of The Economist magazine kind of knew what was happening. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I, and I, yeah, sorry, one of my, uh, if, back to that cover again, you'll see um, an Phoenix rising up out of the uh, burning pile of fiat currency. It's got a gold coin around its neck. Now, gold is the number one expression of money that humans have had over time. It's got about a 5,000-year history as being considered money. Now, you put that up against Bitcoin, which has only been around for less than a decade, really, and it's not even close. Okay, Bitcoin... Uh, the particular cryptocurrency known as Bitcoin is doomed to die. And that is because it cannot handle the volume of transactions required to support global economics. I mean, Visa and its, uh, and its transactions per hour 
uh, outclasses Bitcoin by several thousand to one. It's not even comparable. And that is because Bitcoin has a curse around its neck and that it has to have a complete history uh, associated with itself every time a new Bitcoin is issued by the Bitcoin central authority. And you have to literally solve a whole bunch of math problems or be the first to solve a whole bunch of math problems in order to get that cryptocurrency. It's a very secure and slow cryptocurrency, so it cannot last. It's kind of like MySpace was back in the day. I mean, everyone <laughs> was on MySpace. And then wow. that went... You heard it here first. Uh, oh, yeah. Bitcoin <laughs> is MySpace. As an older millennial, I can. Uh, that is the perfect metaphor that you could draw. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, MySpace was so incredibly popular. It was number one. I mean, who wasn't on MySpace, right? right? Well, things changed. And guess what? Through Bitcoin futures and just the sheer fact that it's secure as a cryptocurrency, but it's incredibly slow, means it's it's doomed to fail. Okay? The only thing driving it up right now is speculation. And ever since Dece December, when Bitcoin futures came on the market, it's gone down, down, down. Now it's in the process of rebounding. But gentlemen, you can you can make money on anything going up and going down and going up and going down over and over and over again. Um, just as a case in point, Lehman Brothers, when it failed in the spring of 2008, Lehman Brothers had the biggest short position in the silver market in history. And so J.P. Morgan bought out Lehman Brothers for pennies on the dollar, and they inherited this short position in silver. Now, J.P. Morgan uh, killed the silver market on May 1st, 2011, the anniversary date of the Illuminati. Illuminati Day. Illuminati Day, May Day. May Day means trouble. And that was the day we allegedly got Osama bin Laden, shot him in the left eye of Horus, and dumped his body in the ocean without taking a single picture or piece of video. Yeah. So um, <laughs> if you were a Hollywood scriptwriter, I mean, you could just not even keep up with what's going on. Now, the Bible says that during the tribulation, they, meaning the people, will cast their gold and silver in the streets. And I'm so sick and tired of people self-righteously making YouTube comments to that effect and saying and using that verse as an excuse not to diversify their investments into the gold and silver market. Notice the second half of that verse. It says, in the day of the Lord. Okay, that's tribulation time. Uh, no matter what view you have on the tribulation, that's tribulation time. So between now and then, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep holding your money in a bank in typically U.S. dollars that are losing purchasing power? Or are you going to diversify a little bit? Uh, most people have enough money to buy one ounce of silver a month. That's a start, right? Get into the habit of doing that as a way to diversify your investments. Now, one of the big things that I dumped on our brains for tonight was 
that ever since August 15th, 1973, all money is debt. That is because Richard Nixon got on TV and said, we will temporarily, quote unquote, separate uh, the U.S. dollar from its convertibility into gold. Well, that was over 45 years ago, so that temporarily business doesn't apply anymore. Back to Lehman Brothers, which was bought out by J.P. Morgan. Ever since they hammered the price of silver down from May 1st, 2011 till now, J.P. Morgan has been quietly amassing the biggest silver hoard in history. It is amazing. I don't have the vault numbers here in front of me, but it is the biggest silver hoard in history. So, gentlemen, where do you think the price of silver is going to go sometime in the near future? We gotta be we gotta be buying some silver. Let's get some silver, Basil. Let's do it. Hurry. That's right. I mean, so many people got on the Bitcoin train in let's say September, October, November, December, hoping that it's gonna go. I mean, these ridiculous predictions on YouTube after one quote unquote expert after another saying, oh, Bitcoin to 50,000, Bitcoin to 100,000, Bitcoin to a million, you can't go wrong. I mean, it that's fantasy, okay? Why would you buy something that's overpriced as opposed to underpriced? If you had a choice between Bitcoin and silver bullion right now, where do you think the price of silver is going to go? And where do you think the price of Bitcoin is going to go in terms of being confident about its value in the future? To me, there is no question. Now, now here's a question. Okay. This is a question from uh, a precious metals layman. And uh, I, I accept your grace and compassion. Where the heck do you even buy ounces of silver? I mean, the okay. only thing I could even imagine is either either A, online, which all of the precious metal buying places look really sketchy. I'm just going to say that. I have not found one that doesn't look sketchy. Or you go to like some weird, uh, you know, coin buying shop or something that's down in a strip mall. I have no idea. Okay. I don't know how it is in the States, but here in Canada, there are three banks that buy and sell precious metals. I mean, so literally, you can have a safety deposit box and exchange your digital fiat currency for metal and put it in a safety deposit box, which is what I do. That sounds I really a, convenient. I don't think we have banks that do that. I could be wrong. Uh, I'm looking it up can, right now, baby. You might, you might need to pre-order it or something, but we have a coin shop down here. That's what I do. And I... I, I've um, I've handed over a twenty dollar bill in exchange for a little uh, silver coin, and I, I remember that the first time I did it, you know, after really starting to understand, uh, you know, all the stuff about metals, and and you know, that's why I was kind of getting into it. And I handed over the twenty, and I grabbed the coin. And I thought I just handed over a piece of paper, <laughs> and I received something that is is gonna hold like it just has that feeling of okay it's in my hand it's it's been something of value for as long as we have recorded history as far as we know um there was something powerful in that moment so i, I would recommend everybody at least uh, experience that to hand over literally get get a 20 dollar bill you know 
get that piece of paper and hand it over and exchange it for a coin. And it, it is a profound experience. It changed kind of my perception of, you know, it hasn't changed my life or anything, but it was just one of those moments that was like, oh, that's really interesting. It was a cool feeling. Right. Basil, I've, I've gone to SD Bullion, which is a pretty, uh, pretty credible. I uh, want to hear it from the professional guns. Okay. I'm just, I'm just throwing <laughs> what I've thrown what I, where I got my silver. No, but. you, you got to send me your links to your silver okay. guy, but I want to hear Leonard's. <laughs> well, my dealer has been collectibles Canada. I'm not plugging them for this discussion because of the convenience factor. They are a Royal Canadian mint distributor. So they get their, their product straight from Canada's number one mint and they are right next to my bank. So we literally do the transaction within the bank. Uh, the metal never, never leaves the bank safety deposit box. So I, I mean, I don't swim here in bullion, in, in, you know, on my living room That's floor. That's kind of what I was hoping for, just, <laughs> especially because you got that video feed that our listeners can't see. But it's you know, way cooler we, we can, that way. Yeah, we we can we can pretend paint a picture of what's build going a on fort. behind, yeah, <laughs> behind Leonard until they see the actual video. And yeah, they'll find out Basil and Gons were full of it. But you know, well, I made well, a uh, I made a video called Gold and Silver One Hundred One on the Leonard Ulrich uh, YouTube channel. And you can check that out. It's got thousands of views. And it basically answers um, all kinds of common questions about gold and silver investing from the dealer himself within the dealer's um, store. So that's kind of cool. And um, he's thanked me over and over again because that has uh, just skyrocketed sales. There's a lot of misconceptions about gold and silver dealers and, uh, you know, shady, sketchy, cigar smoke filled, uh, moldy old stores. And that's not the case anymore. I think that's Basil's experience. Maybe that's why he's <laughs> skeptical <laughs> over there. Um, but you know, you, you brought up Bitcoin and, and you're very, um, bearish on Bitcoin, um, which is understandable. Uh, but you know, there's other tokens and coins out there. And, and there's a difference between a currency, which Bitcoin is, and there's other currencies like Bitcoin cash, which may be the one to take over Bitcoin because Bitcoin is so expensive and slow. Um, and then there's Litecoin and there's uh, Dash and there's a few others that are actual currencies. And then there's utility tokens, um, Ethereum being the most popular one. And these are platforms, right? They're uh, the best way I've heard it explained in, in a few words is that it's basically something that eats contracts. And so you were talking about uh, the real estate market earlier. Um, there's a there was a recent company that put out their tokens called Car Vertical, and they're going to do the same thing as um, sort of like the uh, the Carfax type of thing that you can check the facts about the cars and the cars history. It's all going to sit on the blockchain now. So you can trust, you know, and look up the information and know that it's a trusted source of uh, the history of the cars, things like that. So there's a utility aspect to it. And upon the back of Ethereum, a whole bunch of different projects have launched and things like that. And in that regard, in, when you talk about that angle of it, it's really interesting because like you said, lawyers might lose their jobs or at least you know, the, the whole concept of AI and the robot takeover, it, it, it really, uh, when you start talking about these uh, systems that are 
basically contracts between people that you don't need that third party. You don't need the lawyer. You don't need the government to, you know, take the votes and cast the votes. And no, you could do it all on the blockchain and it's all, you know, uh, there's a consensus agreement there that, hey, this is information that that can be trusted. It's not manipulated. Um, And so there's, again, like you said, there's an element of positive uh, effect here where we can really thrive in this new sort of world of technology. But again, at the same time, this leads to a potential of, you know, the newosphere. Teilhard Deschardins talked about with this global brain concept, because literally what we're talking about is computers around the world uh, sharing the information, the ledger, continually updating it together and if you don't agree with the consensus, you are effectively not allowed to participate in the network. And you are, you know, if you defect, then you're eliminated from the network. And so you start looking at Bible prophecy, Revelation 13, you got to, you have to take the mark. You have to take it on the forehead or the right hand. You have to worship the image. These are requirements that you must do in order to participate in this economic system. And then you start to think about blockchain and you're like, oh, you have to, you know, you have to agree with the network to participate in the system. And it's just, you, you, there's no, it's, you don't really have to make a leap here to start seeing how this technology can be a, an infrastructure for the mark. Do you see something similar with all that? Am I crazy, Leonard, or, or am, I, uh, uh, am I sort of tracking with where your head is with all this uh, stuff and where it could be going? Oh, that's exactly what's on my mind. I mean, I have a whole new level of understanding um, when it comes to the Bible and where it says then the Antichrist will sit in the temple proclaiming himself to be God. Um, Yes, I do believe that a physical temple will be rebuilt once again in the middle of Jerusalem. Um, (laughs) Gentlemen, the uh, golden menorah is already cast. The um, special clothing um, used by the Levite uh, priests. It's already been been made by hand. Um, these are very expensive things, and there is a big push to get that temple rebuilt. But of course, we all know about the geopolitical issues as far as rebuilding that temple in Jerusalem is concerned. So yes, I literally believe in a rebuilt third and final temple. But gentlemen, what does the Bible say is God's temple. The human body. The human body. Don't you know that you are the temple of God? And rhetorically speaking, Jesus said, I do not dwell in temples made by man. I mean, you could just look up in a concordance online, um, temple of God or God's temple, and you will get dozens of references to that effect. So that concept is pretty clear in the Bible. So the question is, how is going to how is satan going to indwell humanity how is that going to happen well until about 5 years ago i didn't have the answer to that question and now through the emerging field of the combination of the blockchain and artificial intelligence and nanotechnology we are beginning to see the bigger picture It's not quite bright enough. It's not quite in focus yet, but the pieces are coming together. And quite frankly, 
Um, yeah, you know, you can be a fatalist and uh, be some kind of monk living up on a hill and uh, trying to reduce your interaction with the rest of the world. But about it. yeah, same here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's exciting. It is exciting because we still have a good right now. We, even in the depths of the 2008, 2009 financial crisis. I mean, the world still moved forward. It's going to still move forward. And to see Bible prophecy written thousands of years ago, minimum 1900 years ago, starting to be fulfilled uh, in front of our eyes in a way that could never have applied to any other generation means to me that we're living in, as far as I'm concerned, the best period of history. So that is why um, I'm just thankful to, to Jesus that I have personally led two people to Christ because of the videos that I produce. And that is the whole point of this, to get beyond the doom and gloom and to say, you know what? Yeah, it's bad. But look, we're only talking about this world and this world is temporary. It's not the big show. Okay. Yes, Satan is going to have his day, but ultimately, in the end, Satan is God's tool of judgment. Ultimately, Satan is God's tool of judgment. God is not personally squashing us under his thumb. We're doing it to ourselves, okay? When we have major tech players who have dreams of ruling the world through artificial intelligence. And then some of these tech players have major occultic involvements. I mean, if I was a science fiction writer and tried to describe some of these characters, I mean, you would think that I was going a little bit too far, but I mean, I could drop some names right now and they're clearly motivated by Lucifer even though they may not know it, but I find it hard to believe that they don't know it based on the language that's coming out of their own mouths. Yeah, it certainly seems like there is, a, like I mentioned earlier, this split taking place. And um, there was a recent, uh, oh gosh, Rick Wiles reported on it. Uh, I believe he, there, uh, man, I can't remember who he was. It was uh, somebody from Israel uh, in the technology sector saying that humanity is going to split, basically, that the last few revolutions uh, cast people in different economic classes. Well, he's saying this next revolution, it's not just going to separate people in different or new economic classes, but in fact, different human species. And uh, I truly believe that part of the mark, and that's been, you know, an ongoing theory about how it's going to change our DNA, makes perfect sense. Um, in terms of losing your humanity somehow, in, if you participate in this system. And I think you're right about the temple, uh, that there's going to be a physical temple, but it's also going to include our physical bodies. And, um, you know, and I documented on in Age of Deceit 2 back in 2014, some of the rabbis and what they were saying are going to be the technological advancements that will be included in this uh, in, in this new temple the third temple. And um, interestingly enough, they were talking about using iron as well. 
Um, iron actually, I guess, wasn't allowed to be used in the first two temples, but they're saying they're going to use it in the third one, which is it brings up all these, you know, other ideas like the the Daniel two forty three and you know iron not mixing with miry clay. Uh, that passage came to mind, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting that they're they're openly saying that yes, technology is not inherently good or bad, which is a true statement. Um, but you know, we are going to include. Uh, you know, the 3D printing technology and all kinds of tech that's out there, climate control, smart technology, biometrics, it's all going to be part of this temple. They're already planning it. And so I don't think most people can wrap their heads around how prophetic that is to have this third temple built and to have all these, all the latest, greatest gadgets of technology. And if it starts to sit on a blockchain, which means, you know, people are going to start being able to visit all these different places virtually and augmented realities and things like that. Um, ah, just, oh, it's crazy. Crazy, Leonard. The most accurate um, description of what we're talking about so far in, in my mind is the Star Trek Borg. You got genetically modified individuals who are part of a hive mind who have no real independent thought. I mean, the Bible says that um, those who take the mark will seek death and not find it. Right. I mean, how does that work? Well, the only way that works is if you are a literal, um, an, in an avatar kind of body that can regenerate itself. In other words, you have modified DNA. You're, you're part man, you're part machine, you're hooked up to the, to the matrix. And again, all these things would have been just laughable five years ago. They would have been considered science fiction, like the Star Trek Borg. But then... Out comes uh, Singularity.net, and they wheel Sophia, the artificial intelligence robot, in front of these billionaire Saudi princelings, and everyone's so captivated. And um, <laughs> that was uh, the latest uh, Saudi um, sheik's um, ploy to get all these billionaire princelings into one hotel and then use that ploy to trap these billionaire princelings in this hotel until they agreed to give um, Mohammed bin Salman 70% of all their money. Why? Because Saudi Arabia is running out of money. Why? Because the oil production in Saudi Arabia is going down, slowly but surely. So again, um, <laughs> there's a perfect little micro illustration about using the promise of technology in order to trap people into a economic system. Oh man, I didn't even know about that part of it that we knew about the Sophia part, but uh, it's crazy. Yeah. You're talking about revelation nine and then also revelation 17, 13, where it talks about the 10 horns, which are the 10 Kings. Um, and they will have one purpose and they will have one mind. Um, and they'll give their authority to the beast. And um, actually, I don't think it says mine on this one. It's Revelation 17, 17, uh, or some translations have it here uh, of one mind. But yeah, you know, it's it, we've seen imagery of it too in, in so many movies and television shows of this whole hive mind concept, this one mind thing. Where do you think the conversation needs to go in terms of application? Because I think it seems like there's going to be a positive effect, right? Healing people, bringing people back to par. 
You know, it, it's kind of like, okay, bringing people back to a functional level so they can function in society, things like that. I'm, I'm down with technologies that can improve people's lives to that level so we can all, you know, live good lives. Uh, however, you know, uh, how easy is it going to be to then start tinkering forward above where, you know, the, I guess, comfort levels are and you start getting into the convenience side of things. Uh, you know, what color eyes do you want your children to have? What color hair? How tall do you want them to be? Um, what about some extra features they can see into the infrared? You know, you start getting a little too far into that direction and there you go. You have a whole different kind of humanity and all that's being propagandized and sold to us in movies like X-Men and all the superhero stuff. That's all desired traits, if you will, you know, things that we wish we can have, uh, if we had superpowers and, and now we live in this crazy time when <laughs> some of those concepts um are probably more possible uh, due to our technology due to our science so what do you hope in terms of your next film if somebody's coming at this next film and they hadn't seen the first one what do you hope they walk away with oh good question the love of money is the root of all evil or all kinds of evil I mean, people start wars over money. They kill their own parents for money in many cases. Um, <laughs> there's no end to the amount of evil that is associated with money because with money comes power. And if you don't have a lot of money, typically you don't have a lot of influence over people. Yes, you can get on the media networks in order to influence people, but who owns those networks, okay? Those networks have bought and paid for certain people to say certain things on their network. And as we all know, YouTube is shaping people's minds by determining what content goes on and not on YouTube. So in the end, money can be a tremendous source of evil if it is misused, if it becomes your number one goal in life, or it can be a tool. And given all the recent advances in technology, and again, I've said this before, and it's, it's worth repeating, we are in the artificial intelligence, blockchain, quantum computing world where we were in the internet world 20 years ago. Okay, 20 years ago, most people, I hate to say this, were using dial-up, okay? We wouldn't be having this conversation over a dial-up internet. It's not possible. We wouldn't be sharing uh, high-definition video or even worse, 4K video on the internet. It's not possible. Now what do we got? We got smartphones, which have four times the resolution of the computer screens we had 20 years ago. Uh, you conduct commerce on your smartphone you conduct uh, encrypted uh, voicemail messages on your smartphone, um, you name it. So the question is, where is all this technology and where is money going to be in 20 years from now? I think we have a much better answer to that question than we did just one year ago. And on that note, I am so glad that God has put the brakes on my second film for the past two years um, because of uh, personal health issues. I'm a post-heart attack survivor, believe it or not. 
uh, family issues. My dad had a series of strokes, so it took about a year to sell the family estate and uh, all that um, it goes with that. Um, what if my film came out a year ago and didn't mention anything about artificial intelligence, blockchain, <laughs> cryptocurrencies, and all that stuff? It would have been a total disaster. So I thank God right, for putting right. the brakes on that film. So again, everything is in God's hands right now with the stock market, with the tremendous volatility that we've seen this week, I can say that we're at a pivot point. If the stock market manages to get by without any more major corrections uh, during the first quarter of this year, as in January, February, March, if we make it to the end of March without any further significant corrections, then I would say we still have till a couple more years based on the air that is um, being pumped into the uh, Wall Street, basically. But just as Wall Street has been receiving all kinds of money um, from the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve is literally out of money, okay? What does this have to do with, with Bible prophecy? Well, it has everything to do with it, because the Federal Reserve doesn't have any more money, so it's it's actually contracting the amount of money that it's giving Wall Street. And now it's having to raise interest rates in order to increase the perceived level of confidence in people's minds as to the soundness of the American economy. In other words, the Federal, Federal Reserve is taking away the punch bowl that Wall Street has been enjoying and imbibing from for the past 10 years. That gentleman, based on everything we've been talking about so far, is going to cause a global crash. Now, I don't know exactly when that's going to occur, but we are closer to it now than we were two years ago. And if we don't survive this next six weeks or so without major corrections, in other words, if they keep happening, then it's game over, Okay. This whole confidence game is starting to unravel. And what does it have to do with Bible prophecy? Everything. Just go back to the January 1988 edition of The Economist magazine and get ready for a world currency issued by the International Monetary Fund in the, yes, Tower of Basel in Switzerland. Okay, <laughs> and there's going to be a period of confusion and depression because the central banks of the world aren't going to be big enough and have a big enough printing press to stem the bleeding. And that, that gentleman is going to be the genesis or the main reason why the nations of the world will gladly agree to a new global financial standard which was discussed in the Bible, the book of Revelation, and other places, a minimum 1,900 years ago. Wow. There you have it, folks. Leonard, this has been just an incredible experience having the chance to sit down and talk with you. Uh, I mean, I cannot wait for the next film to come out. I know you, you, you're not trying to rush it because who knows what else is going to happen, but I'm trusting that the Lord is going to bring it out in time uh, now, 
Before we uh, wrap up here, I just wanted to give you the last chance if there is anything on your heart here that you wanted to share. But uh, I, you know, if if you ask me, that was a perfect uh, wrap up and preparation for what we can see coming from you in the next uh, in the next uh, series of moments we call life here. <laughs> right. Um, the average American couldn't handle a five hundred dollar bill without going into debt. Sixty three percent of Americans can't pay a $500 bill without taking some kind of loan out. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, does that bode a lot of confidence in the wealth that Americans think that they have? I would say not. Um, it's amazing what we spend our money on. It really is. It's amazing what we spend our time on. So many people say, oh, I don't have time for church. Well, you had time for the internet, you had time for TV. What time did you have for God this week? Keep your priorities in, in check. Be eternally minded. Don't give in to fear, give in to fact. The fact is, we are living at a pivotal time. And like I said, financially, these next six weeks or so are pivotal. If we manage to survive this, then we have a few more years ahead of good prosperity, even though that's based on, a, on an illusion. That illusion is going to pop. And if you can't see it now, you're not going to see it when it does pop. Because most people, like we started this conversation with, are in denial. Now, I'm not pessimistic. I'm realistic. And with that realism in mind, that gives me hope for the future because I'm seeing things play out exactly as they were described in the Bible. And that is, that's my lifesaver. That's what I grab onto, okay? I grab onto the truth of Scripture, even though we're in stormy waters. And the more stormy those waters get, the, the tighter I wrap around the truth of Scripture with. And that's what gives me real hope for the future, as opposed to the illusion of optimism that we see all over the television today. Thank you so much, Leonard, for coming on the show. If awesome. people want to uh, read more of your stuff, see more of your stuff, get a hold of you, how do they do that? Okay, you can drop me a line at nwotruth.org. And you can also comment on any one of my um, dozens of YouTube videos. Again, uh, my feature film, um, New World Order, Secret Societies and Bible Prophecy, Volume 1, uh, The New World Order slash Wars and Rumors of Wars. Uh, it's only about 450,000 views on my channel, but it's all over YouTube. And I'm pretty much going to follow that same kind of tactic to get around the uh, YouTube censorship, which is coming down hard and heavy. So... It's not about numbers. It's not about fame for me. It's not about the money, obviously. It's about having a social effect. God has given me certain tools, and, and um, <laughs> I'm so glad the way my life has turned out the way it has. I mean, just put yourself in God's hands. Don't worry about the future. Plan for it and be realistic and ground your faith in the Word of God. Amen, Amen brother. 
Wow, well there you have it folks, Leonard Ulrich. Thank you so much again for coming on the show, guys. Uh, th thank you so much for listening. This has been a, an interview, long time coming, Gons. Yeah, it was a really good conversation. I'm sure we could have kept going for hours and hours. Uh, so much to one of those talk guys. about. So yeah. much to talk about. So many sprinkles, Gons. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> hopefully people walk away with just the whole cake and lots of sprinkles on top all okay. over. Okay, sprinkle boy. Um, <laughs> thanks, guys. Sprinkle boy? <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. If you enjoyed this episode of Canary Cry Radio, why don't you head on over to Facebook and search Canary Cry Community. And there you can discuss this episode, connect with other Canarians, and uh, really, there's a really great community being built there. So go be a part of it. Also, if you haven't left the ratings and review right after this episode, this is a great time to do it. Head over to iTunes, let people know what you think of the show, leave some stars, leave some reviews. It really does a great job of, uh, of helping others find the show. It's actually super important. I know it's kind of uh, an extra step and a lot of you are just, you're done with the episode and you're ready to go save the world. But why don't you just pause for just a second and this is a great step towards Saving the world. <laughs> Save the world. Leave us a ratings and review on iTunes. We, we, um, uh, we appear to be very polarizing. We're either getting five stars or one star. So, and then there's yeah, I only think we a have, couple one stars. I think we have three one stars. So, and we have like 500 five stars. I don't know. Uh, but 499. But you can, oh, really? Yeah. So the next somebody person out be there, the 500th. Somebody out there five will star. be the 500th uh, five star review, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> unless we totally blew it on this one but i don't think we did oh by the way speaking of itunes and reviews head on over while you're on itunes subscribe to canary cry news talk it's very important we got uh weekly news updates we're talking about current events things that are happening how they're changing the world and you know how we should uh maybe react to them so canary cry news talk you guys are gonna love it and um you'll uh, find also sophia over there Oh yeah, Sophia. What yeah. does she sound like? Yeah. <laughs> yep, there you go. Gonz has got a soundboard over there if you want to hear that. Are you going to bring up the soundboard every time that I, I podcast play a sound gold. Clip? It's like a main feature of that show now. <laughs> so yes. It's, I'm, I'm hoping that the, the, the presence of a soundboard will <laughs> be enough to lure people to listen to our news talk Take show. over the governance of the entire world, which would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yep. See, those, those are all robots there. that are if on our on the you show. Like that you like that listener. If you like <laughs> soundboards of AI robots, head over to Canary Cry News Talk. All and right. if you're looking for T-shirts or anything like that, we got our Redbubble. Just search Canary Cry Radio. Redbubble.com/ccr. Okay, I'm. That's about it for me, Guns. I'm gonna go buy some silver. All right. Yeah. You, uh, yes. Me too. We should just build everything on silver and gold now. Okay. Actually, that's not gonna work. If you want to send your silver and gold, you can send it to our P.O. box. We should start reading that P.O. box. Yeah, we, we, should, have, huh? we have people asking for it quite a bit. We really? should just read it on the show, yeah. Okay, maybe we'll uh, come up with a, a way to make it interesting for people to remember. Do you have it right in front of you? I do. What is uh, it? You, it's P.O. box 7383, Laguna Niguel, California, 92607. PO box 7383. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. That equals 21. Ooh. Whoa. Which 
equals three divided by three is seven divided by seven is three okay everybody thanks for listening to this episode <laughs> of canary cry radio make sure to tune in next week but until then think outside the cage 